This message is brought to you from Callon Church. We pray that it encourages and inspires you. Well, good morning, Callon Church. Did you all have a good time over Christmas and the New Year? Did you enjoy? Did you eat too much? Drink too much? Those of you have too many chocolates. And one of the things I've loved, come on, come on, come alongside you, Gary, and uh, drop some of my props out here. Thank you. Just pop it straight there. It'll be brilliant. One of the things I love about uh, Christmas and the festive time that we have together is playing all kinds of games when we got friends around the house and when we got different people from Nerf Wars to uh, different kind of things. I love playing all kinds of games. Do you? Some of you, some of you know. And do you know why some of you have got that different response? Is that all of us, although we've been made in the image of God, all of us are totally different. Each one of us. There's only one person like you on the planet. Thank God for that. <laughs> Isn't it? Thank God there's only one of me. Isn't it? Amen, everybody says. Because if I met the other version of me, if I have got a, uh, another person, I'm not sure we'd get on. I really am not sure we would get on at all. And we're all different kinds of people with different types of ideas and different types of tastes, different types of styles. We are all so different, are we? You know, because some of you, believe it or not, this is true now, some of you got up this morning, looked in the mirror the way you looked and said, I look cool today. And others of us have come to church today and we're looking at you and we're thinking, did you look in the mirror this morning and think that looked cool? (laughs) We are. And some of you are saying it about me right now. You're thinking, did you think you looked cool wearing that shirt to church this morning, Phil? Yeah. If you don't like this shirt, you've clearly not got the same taste as I have. And we've all got different tastes. Different tastes in cars. I've already been, had a story told to me this morning of uh, a young man in our church. Okay, well, not so young. A young man in our church that wanted to change his car. And he took the rest of the family out in a test drive for the car. And he wanted to change this car. And guess what? The rest of the family didn't like it. And they're not changing the car for the model that he wants now. If I was him, I'd put my foot down, would you guys? I'd tell him it's a man's prerogative to pick the car in the house, would you? Good luck with that one. <laughs> we all have different tastes. I've only got to come to your home to see how some of you put your home out in a different way. If you go to Anne Richards, who's a good friend of mine at the church, my big sis, as I call her, if you've got a very minimalist look, very Scandinavian, nothing, no clutter, everything that's placed, everything orderly, everything quite clinical, some people might say, but that's how Anne lives. Isn't it, Anne? Yeah. Everybody lives to live like that. <laughs> Others of you, well, when I visit your homes, there's stuff everywhere. Some of you are hoarders and you've got stuff. Like I can't get up some of your stairs, some of you, because there's stuff everywhere. And if Anne came to your home, she would spontaneously combust. Her head would just explode because she's thinking, how can you live like that? And if you went to her home, you'd be thinking, how can she live like that? Because we're all different. Amen. Amen. We're all different. Agreed. 
So if we're all so different, and if you want to know how different you are, there's a fantastic website called 16personalities.com that you can go on to. If you've not been onto it, take it, you've got to answer a series of questions. It's a, uh, what they call a psychometric test. And you can go on to 16personalities.com and you, you can answer a pile of questions about yourself and then it will deliver you a little report that is, you know, it's not a, uh, it's quite a blunt instrument, but it's a really good instrument all the same for helping you know how you think. And you can click on a section of it called uh, weaknesses and strengths. Some things will be your strengths and weaknesses. So I'm a particular creative, I'm a, I'm a creative person. I, I, I love creating. I'm always visionary, but you know, kind of the mundane and the boring and the ordinary and same old, same old bores me to tears. And some of you are the opposite of me in that way. And we all have different personalities, different strengths, different weaknesses, <coughs> different romantic ideas about what a good-looking man looks like. For some people around here, he's got to be Italian, isn't he, Andrea? Antonio, he is out there. <laughs> He's got to be Italian, because no, she wouldn't want a loud American, because would a loud American match with Andrea? Fair competition, I suppose. Because we are all different. So in our differences, how do we all work together? Because one of the things that's happening in our society more and more is our society is becoming increasingly polarised, isn't it? You know, to be in the centre politically at the moment is not fashionable. We have to kind of go to these extremes, or the extreme views are the ones that seem to be in our media the most. The extreme views are the ones that uh, tend to be, you know, being promoted the most, is to push ourselves far right or push ourselves far, far left. And the voice in the middle, the voice of reason, or the moderate voice, seems to be losing its voice in our society. Do you agree or disagree? You can agree or disagree. That's just a reflection of our personalities and how we see the world together. But one thing is for certain. You see, if we call ourselves Christians and we believe the Bible and we follow the God of the Bible, then there is an alignment that's upon our lives for us to live in a particular way, both towards God and towards people. Here at the beginning of 2020, it's my privilege at the beginning of every year to speak the first message uh, as pastor here at Calon Church. And the first message of the year is always wrapped around the verse that the Lord has laid on our hearts for us as a church this year. And this year more than ever, at the beginning of a new decade... I really felt so strongly that this verse needs to encapsulate all that we are as Calon Church, encapsulate all that we need to be, and the verse that I'd love you to take the time to commit it to memory this year can be found in the book of Mark, chapter 12 and verse 30. And it's this simple verse that says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Can you say it with me? It's there on screen for you to follow from Mark chapter 12, verse 30, that says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, 
and with all your strength. Let's pray as we turn to God's word together. Father God, we thank you for the written word of God that we have the privilege of holding in our hands or having on our device today. Lord, we thank you for so many men and women of God that have fought the fight to bring us this word. Some even paying with their lives such a sacrifice so that we can have the word of God in our hands today. So as we open the sacred book, as we look at these holy texts together today, oh God, will you help us to understand the truth of this great commandment that you gave us. This great commandment that we should love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all your strength. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I love a good debate, do you? I love a good... Everybody's entitled to my opinion. They are. Everyone's entitled to my opinion. I love a good debate, whether it's about the type of car someone should drive, or whether it's the kind of investments somebody should make, or whether it's the kind of political opinions that people should have. I love a good debate. In fact, there's no place better to hear a good debate than to live in the Morgan household. There are five of us and two dogs, and we have a debate regularly about the dogs, about dinner, about anything that goes on, even about what film we should watch or what channel should be on TV. We love a good debate in our house. We love a good debate so we can discuss the ideas and everybody puts their idea and opinion. Well, last time we watched a film, we watched a rom-com. So this time we should watch a good shoot-em-up, you know, kind of get-in-there-terminator-type film. Shouldn't we, guys? (laughs) Don't tell me you like rom-coms. No, thank you, my kind of guy. Thank you, yeah. I love a good debate. And there are debates not just about the nature of our personality, but there are huge debates about scientific things. You know, as people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos are building spacecrafts that will maybe one day transport us to space. I know a few people I'd love to see transported to space. I'd buy them a one-way ticket tomorrow. As we look at all the developments in technology and science, there's lots of debates that's happening around this, isn't it? Lots of debates is happening, particularly when it comes to stem cell research and when it comes to the growing uh, challenge for our society to answer about euthanasia and so many other things. There's a huge debate about science. I mean, I'm not even going to debate politics here today because in the UK, as we've been talking about Brexit, it seems that since 2016, that's all we've done is debate the whole issues about Brexit. And we debate about education, and we debate about our transportation systems and what should be done and what shouldn't be done. Debate upon debate upon debate. And one of the debates that happens in life seeks to not just divide us up into 16 different personalities, but to divide us into just a group of two people. And as I take this jug of water and I fill it 50% of the way will you tell me is this cup 
Can you want to finish? Who's going to finish the phrase? Is the cup half full or half empty? Well, is it? Half full. Half empty. We know the reality of it is you're both right. Agreed? You're both right. But we have this conversation repeatedly about half full and half empty. And about these kind of issues, nobody debates them all the more than theologians. And this text that we have in front of you today, that we read earlier on, that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength, is still up for debate. And the debate that's happening across theology, across science, across anthropology, across all kinds of uh, areas, is what does this text actually mean? If there are four aspects of our lives that we should love God with, what are they? I mean, if we love him with our heart, what does that mean today? Because we know that today, as people that have come to know our um, body and our biology and the way that it's put together, we know that a heart is just a pump. Is that right? Is it just a pump? Mm, I don't know. There's been lots of different discussions about how people's, even in certain cases, people that have had heart transplants and their personality change. Bizarre. Some things that have happened. So we don't know is the answer. So it's not a debate that it's black and white. It's not a debate that would polarize people. In fact, the whole cup half empty, cup half full thing is kind of like a stupid debate to have in the first place, isn't it? Because we're forcing people to pick some things when in reality you can be all empty, you can be all foot. Why is it got to be half full, half empty? Why can't it just be this to start with? You know, that's really messed up the debate now already, isn't it? Because we use language and we use terminology sometimes in an illogical way in order for us to put our own opinion or in order for us to win the debate or in order for us to just sometimes be able to move forward in life, whether it's about picking cars or deciding how our house should be dressed and looked like Anne Richards. So the question is this. From this scripture... That was written nearly 2,000 years ago when a uh, teacher of the law came up to Jesus and asked him the question, what's the greatest commandment? He was picking a fight. That's what he was actually doing. He was having a debate. And he was trying to prompt Jesus, and he says to Jesus, well, what's the greatest commandment? Because in the Levitical law, in the Old Testament, there were hundreds of commandments that you should follow. Not just, Anne, about the way that you should dress your home, or what it could look, but even if you had dampness in your home, there was a law of how you should treat that damp. Knock your house down. Really good idea. No damp-proof treatment companies around in those days. But that was the regulation that Moses had put. Regulations about so many different things that he would put. And so it's in the middle of all of those do's and don'ts, in the middle of all of these laws, that a rich young, uh, that a teacher of the law, rather, comes up to Jesus and says to him, what's the greatest command? And he says this, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, 
and with all your strength. And he goes on in the second verse after this in verse 31 and says, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. But I'm just going to cover this part of this verse with us here today. So the first thing he says is, love the Lord your God. So can we pause on the word love? Pause on the word love. Are we all paused? Put it away to the back of your mind. Don't think about love right now. I said, don't think about love right now. Some of you are thinking about love right now. But don't think about love. Put it to the back of your mind while I focus on these other aspects, and then I'll close on talking about love for a minute. You see, Jesus says that we just not just love the Lord with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, and with our strength. He adds these two words in front of each of them. He says that you love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Well, what does he mean then? Well, it means that we actually commit to doing it. We'll talk more when we talk about love in a minute of what that commitment looks like. But he's saying that we throw ourselves fully and intentionally and with desire and commitment into loving God in this way. So how can you command someone to love you? I mean, isn't that the challenge of life for lots of us? Isn't it? You fancy the girl, guys, but she don't fancy you. <laughs> the oars should be bigger than that. So, so, but how can you get someone to love you? This is a divine love, and we'll talk about it when we're sharing at the end over what this word love actually means when we're sharing it here. Because the problem that we have is one of language. Even as we talk about heart and soul and mind and strength here this morning, what Jesus is saying more than anything, and that's why I don't really believe it's up for debate, what this actually means. Is one of us, one of them our emotions? Is one of them our mind? Is one of them our self and our id and all of this kind of stuff? I, I don't want to even talk about those kind of things the reason i don't want to talk about them is because there's so much that's lost in interpretation there's so much that's lost in language there's so much that's lost in translation for starters that it makes it very very difficult for us to put these words into action what i mean by that is this wonderful welsh word called hiraith isn't there and another great welsh word called kutch can anybody tell me what the english word for hiraith and kutch is well, there is none. There is none. You know, hereith is like a longing for home, a longing for fatherland, the kind of the way a true Welsh person feels when they come back over the Seven Bridge. We still call it the Seven Bridge. They might have called it the Prince of Wales Bridge, but it's still the Seven Bridge to us in Wales. When we come back over the Seven Bridge, how we feel when we get it's a weird feeling, isn't it? That us as Welsh people feel, or when we come home, or when I come up to Ruth, I say, Ruth, come here, give me a coach. There's nothing like a coach, isn't there? And a Welsh word, coach, well, there is no English word. It's a cross between a, a cuddle and a hug. In fact, some people have said the best word for it is a, a huggle would be uh, the appropriate word for coach. But don't worry, Welsh people, there is no Welsh word for please. What's the Welsh word for please? Which interpreted, because somebody want to give me the translation for that? If you see well. If you see well, can you get me a cup of tea? Yeah, there's the kettle. <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> so 
So the problem that we have with this word love that we'll talk about in a moment is that this word heart and this word soul and this word mind and strength is locked up into all kinds of different things. And what I want to do with you this morning, if I can, is not just talk about the 7 billion people that we are on the planet with all of our individual different personalities and different makeup and different fingerprints and different retinas. In fact, I don't even talk about 16 personalities that psychologists would argue that we largely fall into and that all of us are one in 16 different types. And I don't even want to have the half-empty, half-full debate here and split us up into a group of two that are either pessimists or optimists. I just want to split us up into a group of one. Are you okay if we do that? That we are one people, that we are one church, and that we have one Lord, and that we have one faith, and that we have one baptism, and that we become people who are peopleists, not feminists, not masculinists, not whatever ists you can do, but let's just all be peopleists. And let's just all stand for what's right and what's <laughs> proper. And in this text, Jesus is teaching us and showing us that the key to life, the greatest command, the best thing that we can do is that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. We could split it up, though, if we wanted to. And some would argue that heart and soul talks about, you know, the inner emotional person that we are so often that's what some theologians would say and that the mind and strength person is more the thinking part of us you know when paul says let this mind be in you that was also in christ or the first part of it heart and soul where the psalmist writes your word have i hid in my heart that i might not sin against you talking about both our emotional part of us, our uh, non-thinking part, because let's go back and talk about love in a minute. Because love makes people do crazy things, doesn't it? Makes one man weep and another man sing. Why is it that love does such crazy things to some people? But more than that, why in our own logic sometimes do we declare like Paul the Apostle sometimes that the things that we want to do, we don't do, and the things that we don't want to do, we do? Any of you suffer with that? I saw a lot of people suffering with that on the way to church this morning. I saw cyclists out this morning that have clearly not cycled very much before as they wobbled along the road. I saw many a red-faced runner this morning with the harriers at the back. The usual harriers that are out in Ammonford on a Sunday morning, you can see them running their way through the town as they go. But then on the back, there were clearly some people that had come up with a New Year's resolution and they were going to get fit. And I tell you what, with one person that was the end of it, um, Brenda was with me in the car and said, oh, she looked rather red-faced. I'm thinking, rather red-faced. I I felt like she should pull over and we'll just call an ambulance for her right now. I thought she was going to explode. Because we all have these different ideas and different concepts that we come up with life. 
And so the challenge is, is in all of our ideas and our ideology, the things that so often we want to do, and as you maybe have done some New Year's resolutions yourself this year, the things that we want to do, we don't do. And the things that we don't want to do, we continue to do. Why are we so messed up? Well, the reason I would argue that we're so messed up is because we don't fulfill this commandment. You see, if we love the Lord our God with all your heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind, and with all our strength, if we do hide his word in our heart, then his word and the Christian life and the way that we are called to walk will permeate every aspect of our being. I love what J. John says. He says, this, this book should come with a government health warning on it. You know, warning. This will radically change your life. I challenge you. I challenge you to read God's word daily and it not, be cha- and, and not change you. Your word have I hid in my heart, says the psalmist, that I might not sin against you. Or the psalmist goes on to say in Psalm 119, How can a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed and living according to your word. So, our heart and our soul, if we love the Lord our God with all our heart then it could be argued that the more pessimistic side of you, that the more uh, spontaneous part of us that maybe reaches for things or does things or says things that maybe we should, that as we put those things in subjection to him, that we'll become more emotionally intelligent, that we will become more successful in living the Christian life, and as a result of that, God's blessing will follow us if we love him with all our heart and with all our soul. Equally, if we get God's word into us and allow the Holy Spirit to change and transform our lives, he'll transfer our inner thinking mind, the strength, our will, the determination, and our mind, that thinking part of us as we get rid of stinking thinking, and as Romans 12, chapter, uh, Romans 12, 2 says that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. That as we get God's word into us, and as we are discipling one another, as we listen to his word, as we uh, attend church together, as we pray, as we read, as we do the disciplines of our faith, we will be transformed. How cool is that? So are you ready to do this? Are you ready at the beginning of this year, at the beginning of this decade, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength? Are you up for that? Fantastic. So let me finish then by talking about love. Because if we are to love the Lord our God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. What does that mean? Well, here we have some complexity again, you see, because the New Testament is written in Greek. And the word love has several different meanings for it. In fact, in English, we have different contexts to it as well. What I mean by that is that some of you here 
say that you love a particular football team? Do you love Man United? Like, really? You mean you love Man United? That's madness. Not just if you're an Arsenal supporter, but that's madness, I think, at the best of times, that you would fall in love with the team. I mean, that you like Manchester United or that you have a preference for Manchester United over a certain team. I could maybe understand that. But you actually love Man United? Think about it. So we use this word fond of or like or girls, do you really love chocolate? I knew I was going to get that answer. Yes, some of you like really love chocolate. It calls you, doesn't it? It says, eat me, eat me. I mean, because you can't love shopping, can you? See the way we use this word? Could we love each other? And the reason is, is because we mix up this word. And in the Greek Bible, there's three words for love. Let me just cover them quickly with you. The first type of love that we have is this love called eros, a romantic love. Come here, Ruth. Here's my wife, Ruth. Come on, Ruth. She loves this. I love you, sweetheart. Mm. (laughs) She's the best woman on earth, this one. I love you, Ruth. You know I love you, don't you? Yeah. There's no sting in the tail at all in this, but as personalities go, I'm an extrovert, can you tell? And Ruth's an introvert, so she hates being up here, and she hates moments like, like this more than anything, which is why, because I love her, I'm going to say, Ruth, you can take your seat, thank you. <laughs> but Ruth and I made a promise, and we made a promise to one another that we have kept till this day. On the 31st of August... I think the date. 1991. I put this ring on my finger. And she put a ring on her finger. And we solemnly declared that we would commit to one another. That's Eros love tied in with agape love that I'll talk about in a minute. But Eros love, which means, sorry guys, You can't go chasing after my wife. Beautiful and smart that she is, she's off the pitch. Off your menu of list of people that you can go after. I mean, you can try if you want to. She's hopelessly devoted to me. (laughs) But the point I'm trying to make is that God binds two people together. Genesis 3 sets up this kind of thing called marriage between two people that they are united together. And it's in this place that romantic love takes place exclusively and uniquely. That's eros love. The word eros that's used in the Bible, and some of you will know uh, some of the Greek teaching behind that as well. The second word that's used to describe this word love is not just love, L-O-V-E, the English word eros, but also love filio. Come here, Chris Aldo. Give me some love, mate. Come on. I love you, bro. Now, I don't love you in an eros way. You got that? 
I think you're good looking. I think you're a nice lad, but that's it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Take a seat. <laughs> so what kind of love is this then? Well, this is like a brotherly love. It's a way I love Gareth and Gareth loves me. It's a way that we, as guys, and in, in a healthy relationship together, that we for each other, that we want each other to win, that we champion each other's causes. It's a brotherly love. That's filial love. So we've got eros love, we've got filial love, and then last of all, we've got agape love. And this is the love that's talked about here. It's the same love as God loves us without question. Sarah, come up here. Come up here, Sarah. This is my youngest daughter, Sarah. Say hi, Sarah. The, <laughs> the kids always turn to us on a regular basis, whether it's Sarah or Fionn or Karis, and they ask us quite regularly, who do you love the most? And we give them one standard answer, which is... Me. (laughs) And it's the strange thing. I was sharing with uh, Cameron um, the other day at church, who's just had a a newborn baby. I really, as a dad, I really began when Fionn, our second child, was born. Do you know, I actually got worried. I started overthinking it all because Karis had come and she was adorable, was Karis. And I was wondering... Am I going to have enough love to go around? Genuinely, guys, I'm just being honest here. I began to think, what am I going to do? Am I going to love one child more than the other? And here I am, three daughters in. I did want to go for another uh, fourth and try for another boy, but there wasn't enough Eros in the house. (laughs) And then Sarah came along. And one of the things that we say to our kids more than ever is that we love them unconditionally. And Sarah, no matter how you treat me, or no matter where you go in life, or no matter what you do, you need to know that my love for you is always going to be unchanging, unchanging in my love for you. Take a seat. That's agape love. And that's a decision. Because mum uses a phrase sometimes in our house, like, I love you, but sometimes I don't like you. Do you know that feeling? You know, love is a decision. For God so loved the world that he gave. God made a decision about you. And he made a decision about me. Romans 12 goes on to say, Paul says, he goes on to say, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In our filth, in our rebellion, in wherever we were. And it's a decision. And just like I make a decision to have an unchanging opinion about my daughter Sarah it's the same thing that Jesus made that same decision towards you and me and the reciprocity of our heart should be that we love him because he first loved us and that we not just love the Lord like we love Manchester United And that we just not love the Lord like we love shopping or love chocolate. 
but that we love him with an intentionality of our heart that's unwavering that no matter what comes our way this year and no matter what comes our way this decade we know that there's a God that loves us and he has a plan for our lives and we know it's tough sometimes and we know circumstances come our way that we have to cope with but we know that he loves us more than anything else and the way that we cycle this through our lives is to make a declaration from our hearts is to say that we will love you Lord with all of our hearts with all of our soul with all of our mind and with all of our strength will you commit to doing that this year so what does that look like for you maybe it's being more regular in your church attendance maybe it's uh you know reading more and getting into god's word or maybe it's improving your prayer life or maybe it's being more accountable with people and saying look this is the challenge i'm having in my life this is the where i'm trying to win a victory right now whatever the holy spirit is saying to you right now the response of our heart and our soul should be this can you say it with me mark chapter 12 verse 30 that we will be obedient to our command and Lord we will love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength Amen. this message is brought to you from Calon Church if you want to know more please check us out online at calon.church